Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is part number two of a sermon I began yesterday about the old and the young attending church. This is what I taught at Andrew Womack's Bible Conference. A good church has all ages attending, the old and the young. The old are the teachers, they are the leaders in the church, and the young are the students, the followers, the learners within the church. Bible schools can teach theory, but church is your lab class, and you can actually learn more about the ministry in church than in a Bible school because you're working with people. Let's go and finish the sermon together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Exodus generation was all the way from newborn babies all the way to people up to 100 years old. He said, a generation is everybody that's alive now. Doesn't matter what your age. Anybody can admit it. You've run into 50-year-old, 20-year-olds, but you've also run into 50-year-old children. <laughs> age doesn't necessarily mean maturity. And I've had some 20-year-olds that I could mark and I said, that person's called in the ministry. Look at the maturity that came from them. But you know what? They weren't afraid to go to the older people and just ask questions. Not every question's answered in a, in a book. Not every professor can give you the answers to everything. But talk to older people because I can tell you this. Older people don't usually talk to you about Scripture. They give you life experiences. Not the Scripture itself, but how it worked for them. How they stood and God brought them through a tornado that ripped the entire building apart and later on brought it all back. We could quote verses about that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But it's great to hear how it actually worked in Pastor Bob's life and how that he and joy came through that. And now the church, I mean, I was talking the other day to Charlie and Charlie was telling me how, how many people are in the church and just, just this massive, wonderful attitude in the church that's there. It's just the thing about the church is the church just keeps on going and keeps on going. Building, new building, old building, whatever, because the church is not the building, it's the people that are inside. And learning to fellowship with each other and share with each other is so literally important in the things of God. In Acts chapter 13, I told you to turn there. I'm sure you found it by now. Acts chapter 13 Take a look with me at verse 36. Notice this, it says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. I want you to notice what it says about David. After he had served his own generation by the will of God. I told Loretta, this is what I want put on my tombstone. Bob served his generation by the will of God. What a thing to be said about your ministry when it was all over. When I was with another young person in, in our church, he was asking me one day, he said, I'm called in the ministry too. And I said, great. And he said, and I know I'm called the ministry. He said, but I want to know how can I affect the next generation? What can I do today to affect the next generation? I said, listen, if God wanted you to affect the next generation, he would have put you in it. He put you in this generation. David didn't try to reach the next generation. David ministered to his generation by the will of God of God. It's important you understand something. If you'll affect your generation by the will of God, it will affect generations to come. But don't focus on generations to come. Focus on there's people around me right now that need Jesus, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, evangelism, missions work needs to take place, all this. I want to affect this generation. You succeeding in the ministry is like holding a rock above the water. The moment you let go, it'll hit the water, but it hits in your generation, but the ripples will go out into all generations after that. Is David still affecting us today? The ripples are still moving out. 
Did Jesus hit his generation? Yes, but the ripples are still going out. That's the beauty of what it is when you understand that David affected his generation, young and old. And those around him, he affected young people that went on into the next generation. But he didn't try that. He just wanted the people to understand what he was called to do. So again, David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But the legacy of David still goes on today. In fact, every king after David was compared to David. And if they walked in the footsteps of David, God was pleased with them. If they did not walk in the footsteps of David, God was not pleased with them. And when Jesus came, the angel said he came to sit on the throne of his father, David. So David impacted all the way to the coming of Jesus Christ. Take a look with me, if you would, at 2 Kings chapter 4. Why do we need leadership in church? Why do we need young people to learn from old people? It's brought out in this verse of Scripture, 2 Kings chapter 4. And here we have the story of Elisha. Elisha has not been long in taking over the ministry from Elijah. Elijah literally picked up, Eli, pardon me, Elisha literally picked up Elijah's ministry. Elijah finally got to the place where he was complaining so much that God said, that's it, Elijah. I've already picked somebody else to take your place. You'll find him plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen. I love this story. I can just talk about this story. Quit telling God how important you are. He can replace you with a farmer. I <laughs> oh, can replace me, Lord. Have you seen the size of my mailing list? You know how many CDs and flash drives I sent out last month? Have you seen my calendar? Who can fulfill that thing? And God says, you'll find him plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen. You know what? If you think you're a somebody, God can always get rid of you and find another nobody and make a somebody out of them. God, God would rather find a nobody and use a some and make them as somebody or have to find a somebody and sweat the somebody out of them till they became a nobody. Then he could make them into a somebody. <laughs> Welcome to Saul of Tarsus. God said, go to the backside of the wilderness. Where did Moses go? Backside of the wilderness. Why were they there for 40 years? At least Moses for 40 years. God had to sweat Moses out of Moses before he could turn him into the Moses that was going to rescue that nation. Finally, after 40 years, Moses said, I can't talk. And God said, that's great. That's exactly what I want. I'll be in your mouth. I'll talk for you. The same thing with Saul of Tarsus. He said, I was 14 years unknown by face in the city of Judea. Boy, if anybody wanted any place to be known in, it was Judea. I probably had every year, you know, when, when the celebrations came, young ministers coming in with cards, ministers. I'm a minister. Look, signs, wonders, and miracles. Call me if you want me to come to your church. God said, that's not what I want. He sent again Saul to the, probably the same place Moses went, backside of the wilderness, was there for some time until Saul came out and he said, nobody even knew me by face in Judea. But that's what God wanted. God wants to be your all in all. And this is why this happened. But now we have, as you know, here, Elijah has already gone to heaven. Elisha has taken over his ministry. And Elisha was really more called to backside ministry. I mean, Elijah was forefront. And the streets, signs, wonders, miracles, calling down fire from heaven. But Elijah, Elisha spent most of his time with the school of the prophets. 
He wanted to train the next generation. And there he was with a school of the prophets, and here we have an old man with a bunch of young boys. Sounds like church to me. We need the older people. We also need the younger people. We need to tra- we somebody to train us, but we need somebody to train. And they learn from each other. I think it's great when older people suddenly start getting some fresh young ideas. I think it's also important when young people begin to realize there's a future here and I need to learn from somebody that's been through the hard times. And that's when we share with each other. Notice what it says here in 2 Kings chapter 4. Have you found 2 Kings yet? Look at verse 38. It says, Elisha returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him and he said to the servant, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened that they were eating the stew and they cried out and said, man of God, there's death in the pot. And they could not eat. Notice who they cried out to, the old man. They didn't cry out to each other. They cried out to the old man, which was Elijah, Elisha. And they said, man of God, there's death in the pot and they could not eat it. So he said, bring me some flour. I looked up that word in the Hebrew. It means flour or it means cornmeal. Just the basics. Said, they, he said, bring me some flour, some cornmeal. So he put it in the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. I just love that rousing amen you just made. That was a great story. Whoa, I see the spiritual truth in it, right? Whoa, yes. <laughs> Elisha sat down with all those young people and they ran out in the field and they didn't know the difference between a cucumber and a poisonous gourd. And they brought it back and threw it into the pot of stew, cut it up and put it in the pot of stew. And poison was being ha- handed around while they were, some of them were probably thinking we could die. And they cried out to the old man. We have a bunch of young ministers today who haven't been trained by old people. They've been running out into the fields and grabbing poisonous gourds and bringing them back into the church and teaching them as doctrine, passing it off to the people in the church. They're not getting their messages from God. They're getting it from other ministers. Folks, your source has to be the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, not just because somebody said, does that make it true? Because you could run it back to the church and start killing people, basically. What was the answer? Elisha did not get upset, chew them out. Didn't start saying, you dumb idiots. He just said, bring me some flour. Bring me some cornmeal. You know what will settle everything? Basic doctrines. Basic doctrines. We need to get back to the basics of the word of God. That's where it all begins. Not with heavy revelations. No, with the fact that Jesus died for your sins. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Walk in holiness each and every day. Start to grow in him, just the basics of the word of God. And then after a while, you can come to those little wilder stuff out there, speculation type things, but you always come back to the basics of the word of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit will back is the basics of the word of God because the spirit and the word agree. Amen. All right, let's take a look. Turn with me to Psalm 37. Here's some admonition from an old man. That's not me. This is David. Okay. (laughs) Psalm 37, verse 25. And here David says, I have been young, or I like the King James, I once was old, or I once was young, now am I old. 
Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging bread. I once was old. I don't like that word once. I'd have to go back and do it again sometimes, you know. The older I get, the more I look back and think, boy, you know, I didn't have to take as much care with my knees and my arms and my shoulders and all this other stuff. You know, I look back on those days, but the Bible just tells you this, you once were old. Every day you keep moving out of that one step at a time. But he said, here's the other part. I know I once was old. My body is getting a little older every single day, but the inward man is being built up every day and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. How you will admit some of you that are maybe in your 70s, 60s, whatever, there's days you look and say, boy, I wish I had my 18-year-old body and this brain that I have today. And I could just put it all into one, one body and just roll it around together. Boy, wouldn't that be a great combination? Here's the point, young people. You can do that. It doesn't work on this end of life. It works on this end of life. While you've got a healthy body, start filling your mind and your, and your soul with the word of God. And you can have the best of both worlds. You won't get one day to the end of your life as Solomon did and said, well, he said, now that I'm old, he said, I, I don't have the things I used to have. And he started complaining to God about the life that he had and talked about his body wearing apart. And he came to this one conclusion, young people, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I think that's important that we understand today. But you know what that also comes from? Standing beside somebody that can give you that point and telling you, I've come through the things you're coming through. Let me give you some advice. And oftentimes we can look back and we didn't listen to the advice that older people gave to us, more mature people gave to us. And now we face the same thing with a younger person today. I didn't listen, but if you'll listen, you can save yourself a lot of trouble in life. And this is one purpose of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's important that once a child gets to a certain point in life, in church, they sit with their parents. We don't have to always have classes for them. They get to a point they can understand some things. And listen, the schools aren't treating them like they're idiots. They treat them like they can fill their brains with mush of any type, sin and all this type of corruption. If they can learn sin, they can learn righteousness. Sitting in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some good things about this day we're living in. I know the schools have them and they're putting all types of things into them that we, we would never have thought they would. But you have more time with them and you have the Holy Spirit. And the time in your presence can drive out those things those kids are learning. Yeah, I think it's great if you have homeschool. I think it's great if you have Christian school, but there's some parents that say, Lily, I can't afford it. But I'll tell you this, greater is he that's in you and he that's in your child than he that's in the world. So we have it here again from the word of God. I once was young. We only get one shot at being young. We move out of youth every day, a little bit at a time. And we often wish we could replace our old body with a young one. Keep the mind we have. But again, this is promised to younger people. If you'll start to take in the word of God, you can be far more advanced in maturity than those around you. David, oh, pardon me, in the New Testament, Paul talking about Timothy and Timothy talking to those members of his congregation. He talked about the fact, he said, you know, don't let the older people talk bad about you. Not the fact that you can stop them from talking, don't let it affect you. Let no man despise your youth. Didn't mean there's not gonna be people out there that do despise your youth, but you don't have to let it affect you. And he's simply warning them, there's gonna be people out there that will always talk bad about you, look at you that if you're of a certain age, you've gotta be dumb, you've gotta be stupid. 
I'll tell you what I found throughout the word of God, when certain kids got to be a certain level of maturity, they could kill a giant. And those around them shook their head thinking, how could this young kid do this? They could take the throne of the kingdom of Israel at 16 years old because they had wisdom. And here we have a man named Solomon who had great wisdom also in his life. I like what this verse says again, I have been young, now am I old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. There's something about old people. You start to talk to them and they may not quote a scripture, but they'll start telling you stories. And they'll tell you things about what they've seen and things they've experienced. I remember when I was around Brother Hagen, oftentimes a student would ask him a question going down the hall and I think, oh, I bet he's gonna quote this verse to them. He wouldn't, Brother Hagen would just simply say, you know, I faced something like that one time and start to talk to them, explain to them. At the end of it, you realize something. He didn't talk about the verse of scripture. He talked about how the scripture worked in his life and changed circumstances. On this side and that side, my mom and dad would do that. I'd start to talk to them about the things of God and they'd go back and tell me stories about deliverance from God that were just absolutely incredible. And this is the important, again, of what older people have to give. That's why, again, in a church, it's so important we have the mingling of those lives together, not trying to separate them like, oh, well, you're of that generation, I'm of this generation. We're all one generation. As long as we're alive on this earth, we are one generation that can learn from each other. And so, again, we have the older training, the younger. So let me just quickly go back to Anna and Simeon here for just a moment. In these verses of Scripture, we are told that Simeon basically visited the temple every day, but that was pretty much his home. But Anna actually lived there. And they learned the importance. Of, it seems to be too far. I guess if I just really looked at Simeon and Anna, in their older life, they became closer to the Holy Spirit. They both operated in the Holy Spirit. One operated in the Holy Spirit in prophecy and she operated in the Holy Spirit in prayer. You know, it's a shame and I have to say this because it's true in my own life. I've never really learned the value of prayer until I started getting older. I always thought I have to be there. These hands have to lay hands on somebody. You know, these feet have to carry me somewhere. And then I kind of feel bad if they, if they told me there was a need there and I didn't personally go to there. But I found that Jesus actually began his public ministry in prayer, filled his public ministry with prayer. The night before he was arrested, he was in prayer almost all night long, praying individually for those disciples and even praying for us that are to come. I pray for those that will hear it from those who are around me. And he's even in heaven right now praying for us, ever making intercession for us in heaven. He's our intercessor. But sometimes we push prayer off to the side, but it's amazing these two old people, one of the major things they were was close to the Holy Spirit and close to the power of God in prayer, signs and wonders and miracles. How sad it is we often have to wait until that point when we get older. Jesus was on the cross dying. And as his hands were nailed and his feet were nailed, how could he go anywhere? The hands that used to lay hands on people couldn't lay hands on people. The feet that used to take him to places so he could minister to people couldn't take him anywhere. And the first statement he made from the cross was a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Imagine the disciples, I mean, those soldiers were down there ripping, ripping all this stuff to shreds and taking all this and then gambling for his clothing and all this other stuff. They probably said, what did he say? Did you hear that? He may not have said it real loud because it wasn't necessary for them to hear. It was for the father to hear. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you know he never saw that prayer answered, but it was answered right after he died. 
because the soldiers gave their lives to Jesus. Prayer has no time. Once you pray, once you die, it doesn't mean your prayers die. They just keep on going and going. Not only was that, he prayed for those yet to come in the garden that night. Father, I don't know how to pray for these, but those that are yet to come. You know when that prayer really started being answered after that, after these men received him as Savior? It was on the day of Pentecost. When 120 came down from the upper room and suddenly 3,000 were boarding in right after that. That prayer started multiplying. A few days later, 8,000 and 5,000 more was added to it. and They keep on coming. And that prayer is still being answered today. Why don't we understand the power of prayer? But you can learn that from older people. Their feet can't take them where it used to. Their hands can't go where it used to. Oh, they can quote your scripture stuff. They'd rather sit down and tell you stories of how it all worked out in their life. Then suddenly they'll go from there and start prophesying to you because that's the closeness of the Holy Spirit that they have. They may not be able to go out in the world and do what they used to, but they still have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. My sister, me, a good friend of mine, David Shibley, who has a large, large ministry out of Dallas, Worldwide Missions. Phil Driscoll, we grew up kind of together and we went to junior high together and went to Youth for Christ together, things like that. We were all saved under our, my pastor's wife at that time, Sister Webb. I got saved in vacation Bible school. My sister got saved the same week and Dave Shibley got saved the same week and I was five, she was four, he was three. The pastor brought, pastor's wife brought us all down the front and she led me to Jesus when I was five years old. A couple, of day, nights, a couple of days later, my sister and David Shibley received. My sister was four and David Shibley was three. He used to tell people, don't tell me three-year-olds can't get saved. I've got a worldwide ministry that started with a three-year-old when I was born again. She led him to the Lord. Never saw her much after that. After that, my family transferred to another church and I was raised in junior high, high school in that church and and uh, got involved. And from there, I worked with Brother Hagen. From there, I went to work for Brother Hagen. From there, I began to teach at Rama Bible Training Center. And so my life began to take off after that. Never gave Sister Webb much thought. I mean, I heard about her family. Her husband died. The church went on to other pastors. I heard she was, you know, living with her daughter. Anyway, down the list, I never heard much after that of her until she died and her daughter contacted us and said, when my mom died, I opened up all her furniture and stuff and said there was a drawer in there. I opened it up and there was a little box inside, a wooden box. I opened it up and there was just lots and lots and lots of five by seven cards. On those cards were every child she led to the Lord and she'd been praying for them all those years. Still can't think about it without breaking down because what she prayed was for our success after that. My name was in there. My sister's name was in there. David Shibley's name was in there. And he has a massive organization, uh, World Outreach Organization. Phil Driscoll's name was in there. Talked to Phil later on. He said, my name was in there. She said, yeah. I said, yeah. She kept praying for us every day. Other names we hadn't heard of, other names we had heard of. But you see, in her older age, she found the power of prayer. And that even though she couldn't go anywhere, she was so tired, worn out, she found the power of prayer. And you know what? We as young people need to realize from there, I don't have to wait till I get to that age to find out the power of prayer. I can build it in my life every day. Oh, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. Amen. Father, I thank you this morning for this wonderful group of people. Father, let the pastors in here and those who attend church just come to this realization. I need those that are younger than me.
I need those that are older than me. Father, you've put us together as one family and no two children are the exact same age. Father, we have a variety of ages in our church, but we can all learn from each other. And Father, help us to understand too that coming to church, praising God, operating in the spirit is as close to heaven as we're gonna get on this earth. We need to appreciate our church more, appreciate our pastor more, appreciate those that work in the church because they're preparing me for winning souls, but also preparing me for eternity. And Father, I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining me today as I've talked about the old standing beside the young, the young beside the old, the importance of learning beside somebody, especially in a local church. You can go to Bible school. I teach at Karis Bible College, and I'll tell you, I think it's one of the best in the United States, if not the best, and perhaps even in the world. But I always tell the students there, this is so important you're learning here, but this is theory. Your lab class is your church. In fact, you can learn just as much, and at times even more, standing beside the older people in the church, as well as listening to the pastor and hearing the stories they have to tell and walking through in their shoes basically within the church and learning from them the things that they have learned throughout the years. The old teach the young, the young learn from the old and how important it is that they stand with each other. You don't have one group trying to get rid of the other group. Also, I highly admonish the fact if you're looking for a Bible school, I love Karis Bible College. It's just wonderful to see all those students and there's all types of students from all parts of the world, but there's also old and young beside each other in class becoming friends with each other. And I know that this is gonna last for many years as they leave from there. Again, what we're offering today is we have Proverbs. In fact, this is the book I'm offering. First of all, is because Proverbs talks about the old teaching the young. The key word found in the book of Proverbs from beginning to end is my son. This was David instructing Solomon and Solomon writing down these instructions that his father gave to him. And in those instructions, we find out there that what your fathers in the faith have to say, as well as your natural father, if he's born again in the spirit filled, has to say to you, it helps to lay a foundation under us that cannot be taken away as we learn not only from the word of God, but we also learn from people who have been down that track for many, many years. So come back to it again. And also I have the life of Elisha, and this is Elijah teaching Elisha. I've already mentioned it, the importance of learning from older men and women. I'll see you tomorrow. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Andian discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. Elisha the prophet is an intriguing figure of the Old Testament, a miracle worker that deserves the extensive study that this series provides through these 13 lessons, which include the call of the miracle worker, where to begin a miracle ministry, the greatest miracle of all, water in the desert, oil in abundance, our heart's desire, faith to raise the dead, Naaman, his pride and his miracle, the purpose of a miracle, Returning what is lost, open and shut case, unseen deliverance, 
And does God remember our faithfulness? To order The Life of Elisha, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.